Well, Faith Family, to begin the message today, I want to change it up just a little bit, make it a little bit different. I want to invite you right where you are just to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're engaging with us via live stream, I want to invite you to do the same. There's nothing happening up here on stage. There's no surprise that's coming. I want to give all of us a moment to reflect and to remember. I want you to think back to the day that you accepted Christ. Do you remember where you were? Do you see it? Do you remember who all was there? Think on the sweetness of Jesus to you in that moment. Do you remember how you realized in that moment that you were broken, that you were a sinner in need of a rescuer, a savior? And Jesus was that precious and powerful savior that you needed and wanted. Do you remember? Think back to your biggest trial you've ever faced. It may have been physical pain, the loss of a job, the death of a friend or family member, a breakup of a relationship. Do you remember the fear, the pain, the loss? Who kept you in that moment? Who was faithful to you? Jesus. He sustained you. He kept you. He protected you. He comforted you. Do you remember? Think back to the time that you felt like you failed Jesus. A temptation came and you chose sin and self instead of Jesus. You felt the weight of conviction of the Holy Spirit. The enemy began working overtime on your conscience, throwing the fiery arrows of shame, rejection, condemnation. But then you looked at Jesus. You confessed your sins. You came clean and he set you free. He reminded you of your permanent forgiveness in him. He reminded you of your positional righteousness. He reminded you that he is the friend of sinners. You felt the cascading waterfall of his grace wash over you. Do you remember? Think back to the first time you shared your faith with an unbeliever. Do you remember the fear that you felt? You prayed and asked Jesus to give you courage and you just felt like the words were fumbling out of your mouth. Maybe you felt a little bit of embarrassment and frustration. But Jesus used you to point someone else to himself. Do you remember? Think back to the first time you served Jesus in ministry. You took a meal to a hurting family. You taught a small group. You visited a widow who needed encouragement. You were a door holder for people coming into church. You visited a member in the hospital. You went to a prison and shared the gospel. Do you remember that feeling of just gratitude and shock that Jesus would use you to advance his kingdom? Do you remember? Think back to the first time you gave generously to the church as an adult. You stepped out in faith. You felt a range of emotions gratitude, fulfillment, and yet a little bit of uneasiness. 
And yet you were still grateful that you got to join Jesus in his mission through this act of worship, through giving. Do you remember? Remembering God's faithfulness in the past is an act of worship. It strengthens us. It reminds us we can trust God in our current circumstances. And we can trust God in our future trials. Well, as Israel is on the brink of entering the promised land, God knew they would be tempted to forget what he had done. And so he commanded them to remember his faithfulness. Let me show you. Open your eyes and grab your Bible and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy chapter four. The book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's the fifth book of the Pentateuch, the first five writings of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is one sermon by Moses to the entire nation of Israel before his death and before they go into the promised land. The time has come for Moses' leadership over Israel to come to a close. His four decade plus leadership position over the nation of Israel is coming to a close. They're about to go into the promised land without him. He knows that death is about to come for him. So he gathers Israel for one last message. And what does he do? He preaches the book of Deuteronomy. This is the contents of his sermon. In fact, the word Deuteronomy means second law. For a second time, Moses goes back over the law again one more time. Remember what you heard in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers? I'm gonna give it to you again here in this one message. And the whole theme of the book of Deuteronomy is this, obey God's word. Obey God's word. There is blessing when you obey the Lord and there is discipline when you disobey the Lord. So he's challenging, he's encouraging, he's admonishing Israel, obey God's law. Do what he has called you to do. Remember God's word and obey what he has given to you. We see it right here in chapter four in verses one and two where he says that obedience, it brings blessing to your life. In verses three and four, he says, obedience protects you from death. Obedience, in verses five through eight, is a witness to the nations. And then we get to Deuteronomy chapter four, in verse nine, and the scripture says this. Only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen. And so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Moses is telling Israel, don't forget. Don't let what you have seen slip from your mind. Forgetfulness is dangerous. It's dangerous for your soul to forget all the ways that God has been faithful to you. You'll be tempted to take your eyes off of Jesus. You'll be tempted to forget the great things he's done. You will begin to lose heart, lose hope, lose joy, lose faith because you forget who he is and what he's done. In context of chapter four, Moses is saying, remember Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai. 
For it is there that Moses went up the mountain and he met with God and he received the 10 commandments on the two, two stone tablets. And he came down the mountain and he revealed to God's people, this is God's word, this is God's will. You are to obey him. And Moses is saying, don't forget that moment. Don't forget the significant moment in your life in which you saw God do something that only he could do. You're gonna be tempted to forget, but he's saying, Israel, do not forget. It's interesting, over and over in the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see the word remember show up. I counted 15 times the word remember will show up in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8.2, remember how the Lord led you for 40 years. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15, remember you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord redeemed you over and over and over. Moses is saying, remember, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget his marvelous deeds. Why do God's people do this? You see, throughout the ages, we experience spiritual amnesia. We so easily forget what God has done in our lives. And Moses is saying, don't forget all that God has done. You see, less than 100 years after Moses commands this in Deuteronomy 4, we get to Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God. You fast forward less than 350 years, you get to the end of the book of Judges and it says, everyone did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. How easily God's people forget the great things God has done. Have you ever experienced a fresh new trial and your knee-jerk reaction is anxiety? Have you ever had this moment in which you dealt with an uncertain future and you were tempted to just retreat and go backwards into fear? You see, we so easily forget God's faithfulness. And Moses is saying, don't forget. Don't forget what God has done. You see, it is good and right and healthy for individual followers of Jesus to take time to remember what God has done in your life. And it is good and right and healthy for churches to take time to remember what God has done in the life rhythm and culture of the church. And so Westwood, that's what we're gonna do for the rest of our message. We're gonna take some time to remember and to celebrate the great things that God has done and is doing in our church. So let me set the parameters for the next several minutes in here. I want you to know we're gonna have some freedom. It's okay to get a little Pentecostal in here, okay? It is okay to clap and to hoot and to holler and to celebrate Jesus and the great things he has done. Fair enough? Don't be scared to celebrate, all right? If we can celebrate a teenager scoring a touchdown, we can celebrate Jesus, okay? You with me? Last year, what we did as a church, we gathered names of people in our lives who were far from God and we were gonna pray for them. In fact, we put their names up on the screen. We took time in our services praying for them to come to know Jesus. In the months following, I've heard story after story of people that you and I have been praying for by name to come to faith in Jesus. And I'm hearing stories of them coming to faith in Christ. Last month, I got a text from a church member who said, Kenneth, you're not gonna believe this. This 20-year-old girl who I have been praying for, I put her name up on the wall. She's coming to faith in Christ right now. Okay. Praise Jesus. It's awesome, okay? 
Another story, there's a man in our church who's in the military. Someone that he serves in the military with, uh, he was praying for his salvation. And he sent me this email uh, this week. He said, soon after I got saved, I felt this large weight to share the gospel with Dave. But I was so scared because I knew that he didn't know the Lord and I was afraid of losing a friend. But I knew I could lose a friend forever if I didn't share the gospel with him. So over the years, I've been sharing the gospel with Dave, continually pouring into him. During this time, he and I were deployed to Kuwait and then to Germany. We wrote down names on the wall at church and I wrote down Dave's name. I knew the power of prayer of hundreds of people praying for Dave. A little over a month ago, I had the chance to cut his hair for I used my barber shop as a way to share the gospel with all of my clients one at a time. And he mentioned that he was finally going to church and in a small group. We talked about what that looks like and told him I've been praying for him and Westwood's been praying for him. He felt like he had to get his life right before he came to Jesus. And I told him he didn't have to do that. One week after cutting his hair, I got a phone call that not only him, but both of his sons have now come to faith in Jesus Christ. The guy who wrote this email usually sits right there. He's not here today because he's in Montgomery baptizing Dave and his two sons today. How awesome is that? It's incredible, all right? Jesus is on the move. Jesus still changes lives. Jesus still takes people from death to life. And that is what the gospel does. And that is what we are. We are a gospel people who are passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's changed our lives. We're not who we used to be. And we have a story to tell. And we have a gospel to celebrate. There's reason to laugh and to celebrate and to dance and to jump because we have a great God who's worthy of glory and honor and praise. He is faithful and true. And let us never forget that. Let's talk about Lyft. This past April, I introduced to our church a vision for the future of our church. We're going to lift our eyes to the nations and our neighbors. We wanna see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. How are we gonna do that? We did it through three strategies. Lift local, lift global, and lift churches. Lift local, let's start there. The strategy of Lift Local was to mobilize Westwood members to serve local communities through Compassion Ministries. A couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new ministry called Harvest House in partnership with other churches right here in community, in our community on Highway 11, God has provided a building. We began serving families who are hurting and hungry right here in our community. This past Monday, we served 98 families, 4,000 pounds worth of food. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. We're still working through our strategy because we had a, a backlog, a log jam of cars because Pipe kept sharing the gospel, right? It's like, Pipe, wrap it up, bro. We got to keep them moving. Like, this is what God is doing. It's incredible that we have not officially gotten this building set the way we need it, but we're already feeding families right here. When you give to Westwood, a part of what you give towards is this. It's helping feed hungry families right here in our community and pointing them to Christ. Now, part of this Harvest House strategy is we want to connect Westwood families with every family that comes through. 
And so building this relationship where you can get to know them, you can call them, you can shepherd them, pray for them, encourage them, share the gospel with them. Because yeah, we wanna feed people's bodies, but more than that, we want to feed their soul. And so maybe you're interested in serving as an encourager. I wanna invite you at the close of our service, stop by the lift table out in the atrium. There's a QR code on the table on those cards. Click on that on your phone, you can sign up and we will get you connected and trained so you can become an encourager to help these families who are coming through. Why? Because we want them to know Jesus. By the way, we need Spanish speakers. So if you know Spanish, there's a large number of our clients who speak Spanish as their primary language. And so that is, that is one of your gifts. We need you. And what a great way to leverage the gospel through that. So you can sign up out there at the lift table. We started English as a second language. Y'all, if you've not been up here on a Sunday afternoon, it is incredible. The nations descend upon our campus. It is awesome. There are people with all kinds of skin colors and ethnicities walking around our campus and they're learning English and they're learning the gospel. We have incredible volunteers who are pouring into these people, not only teaching them how to speak English and how to function within our current culture and society, we're pointing them to Jesus. An incredible ministry that we have going here on Sunday afternoons. Lord willing, in 2024, we're gonna start Spanish as a second language. It's time for many of us to learn how to speak Spanish so that we can begin sharing the gospel with people who are Spanish speaking, who live right here in our community. Lord willing, in 2024, we're gonna start Celebrate Recovery. We wanna help people who are experiencing addiction to find freedom in Jesus' name. We wanna provide resources and training to help people experience the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Lord willing, in 2024, we wanna start a counseling ministry. We wanna help people right here in our community that are wrestling through some heavy things where they can come to a place where they can hear the gospel in a one-on-one -on -one with a trained professional counselor who can point them to the scriptures and they can find freedom in Christ. We have started Grief Share, a great ministry for our community in which we're helping people who are walking through just deep emotional pain and trauma. We're shepherding them towards wholeness and healing in Jesus. We have this ministry going on through our small groups called Feeding Firemen. We have it with police and our first responders. Did you know that we have 12 feedings? There are four fire stations multiplied by three shifts in which we're taking meals on a regular basis. This December, we're gonna be gathering and putting together some gift bags as a blessing to police officers right here in our community. This is what you and I are a part of. We wanna care for our first responders to let them know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. And we are grateful for how they love and serve our community so well. We are a part of that together as a faith family. Let me tell you about Safety Net. Safety Net is a facility about two hours south of here that is for boys who are primarily teenagers who don't have parents. Either their parents have died, their parents are in prison, or their parents have abandoned them. There's a lot of anger and trauma and hurt in these boys' lives. Well, for years, we as a church have been sending men from our church down there at least once a month, if not more, pouring into these young men going fishing with them, playing basketball with them, praying with them, teaching them the Bible. What's been amazing is a revival taking place down there. Is God is using his men right here through our church going down there, sharing the gospel. And last month, we got to baptize 22 of those teenage boys. Isn't that awesome? It's so good. 
all of them getting brand new Bibles. Next month in November, we're baptizing two more of those boys. At the end of November, we're gonna be providing a Thanksgiving meal. Many of them don't know what that is. They've not had that experience with a family. And so we're gonna take that to them. And that is what God is doing through you. And y'all, I am skimming the surface of the story after story of people who are experiencing life change through God's people. As a people who are madly in love with Jesus, the people who wanna get the gospel to those who have never heard, we are serving our people well here locally. Let me tell you about Lift Global. Lift Global is a strategy in which we want to train and send Westwood members to the nations with the gospel. This year, in 2023, we have sent 42 people on short-term international mission trips to Belize and to Mexico. Can we celebrate the Lord for those 42 people? That's great. The goal is that over the next five years, we start building that to where over 100 people every year are going to the nations, okay? If you don't have your passport ready, get it ready. That's your way of putting your yes on the table, saying, Lord, would you send me to the nations? I wanna take the gospel that I have heard and received, and I wanna get it to those who have never heard. Next week, Randy Watts and I are sitting down with a leader from the International Mission Board who's gonna come and meet with us to talk through a global strategy in which we as a church are gonna take the responsibility of getting the gospel to unreached people groups. Who are they? We don't know yet. But we're gonna pray as a church, we're gonna seek the Lord, and then we're gonna get the gospel out to the nations. We're building a global leadership team of Westwood members who are gonna be praying and laboring and preparing our people to be trained and then sent out to take the gospel to the nations. Lift churches. The strategy of lift churches, churches is to establish healthy churches through church planting, all throughout Shelby County and various communities. For five years, I was praying that God would allow us as a church to plant a Hispanic church, a Spanish-speaking church. August 6th of this year, we planted Westwood and Espanol. We celebrate Jesus for that. Man, Sunday nights, five o'clock, they meet in room 213 and it is such a joy to hear the gospel go forth. They take the Lord's Supper together. They pray together. They study the scriptures together. A church is forming. They had baptisms at baptism at the creek. They had baptisms right here on that first Sunday night. I mean, the Lord is changing people's lives. Really quick story. So there was a lady who had recently come to faith in Christ and she came to Pipe and said, I feel like God has revealed to me that I need to get baptized in a river. And Pepe said, well, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> in a few weeks, we're going down to a creek in Montevallo. And she said, I'm in. And it was down there that he baptized this lady and the Hispanic church gathered and they ate together and they celebrated. It was an incredible moment. And y'all, this is just the beginning. We are going to keep our, our, our foot on the gas pedal. We're going to keep playing offense with the gospel. We want to keep reaching more and more people for the sake of Jesus' name. And these are just stories of life change that we're experiencing. But I, I want you to know that God is doing an incredible work and we got to make sure we must remember. Let us not forget the great things God has done. Now, can we take a moment and talk numbers? Now, numbers are important, uh, but they're not the goal. Okay, the goal is people. Westwood is about investing in people who will impact their world for Jesus. And yet numbers tell a story. 
Numbers are like the dashboard on your car. They tell you a story. It's not the ultimate purpose, but it helps you understand what's happening around you. So let me tell you some stories. By God's grace, through the generosity of you, God's people, this is where we are financially. In the year 2016, the amount given by our church that year was 2.7 million. For this year in 2023, we are currently on pace to have our largest offering in Westwood history at $3.6 million. I am so thankful for God's kindness, for your generosity, and the faithful stewardship of our financial teams who oversee our resources. When you and I give, we can give with confidence that what God is doing in and through your offerings is it's advancing the mission of the gospel. God is being so kind to our church. Did you know that the largest one-year offerings in Westwood history, four of the top five in our history have happened in the last five years? It's the generosity of God's people that even this year in the midst of inflation and the financial chaos of our world, God is being kind, you are being generous and he is getting the glory and I praise him for the great things he is doing in and through you. I want you to know in 2006, Westwood made the decision to move from Thompson Road to our current campus. It was an investment into the future of our church. By God's grace, for the past 17 years or so, we've been here on this campus. It was an incredible investment to help us reach more families and more people with the gospel. Now, as of 2015, our debt was at $10.2 million. Well, as of next month, November of 2023, our debt is gonna be at $4.75 million. Can we praise the Lord for that? Again, God has been kind. You have been generous. Our financial leaders are being good stewards. I am so thankful. Thank you for your kindness and your generosity. God is being so kind to our church. Let me share with you some other numbers that I think are encouraging. It's about this change that we're gonna make. Here's the change. We're no longer gonna start calling it our general budget. We're gonna change it to our impact fund. Now, why are we doing that? Well, general budget communicates maintenance. We're gonna give to maintain what we've got. Well, when you and I give, we're not giving to maintain something. We wanna advance a mission. We wanna see more people come to faith in Christ. So now we're gonna be referring to it as the impact fund. Because when you and I give, we're giving to impact our world for Jesus. That we are giving to see the gospel go forth to those who have never heard. So through the hard work of Rick Swing, our executive staff, through our financial budget and finance team, the budget for 2024 is going to be set at $3.6 million. It's the highest it's ever been. But it's a way that you and I together, through the generosity of God's people, through his faithfulness and his provision, we're going to try and reach more people with the gospel. Through your giving, we're gonna keep playing offense and seeing more people come to know Christ through your generous giving in the impact fund. Maybe you're not giving right now. I want you to know Jesus still loves you, but you are missing out on a blessing. What an opportunity in which you can say today, I wanna jump in on this. As an act of worship to the Lord, I wanna put my yes on the table. I wanna trust, trust God with my finances. I wanna see God move in my heart and in my life. 
in, in the month of November, we're gonna take some time to talk about the Bible and money and see how the Bible gives us wisdom and principles and direction on how we can be good stewards of the finances that he has entrusted to us. If you're not currently giving or if you feel like, you know what, I think I can give more, what an opportunity in which you get to invest in the impact fund to see more people coming to faith in Christ. Thank you for your generosity and your commitment to the gospel. Let me show you another set of numbers. These are numbers that I think are just incredible. It's just only something God can do. In the year of 2023, this year, Currently, we have had 72 baptisms. That's the most baptisms we've had in one year in the last nine years. These are stories, people who are publicly declaring, I've gone from death to life. Jesus has changed my heart, y'all. This is amazing. We have two more baptisms next week. And man, it's just amazing how more and more people are wanting to tell the world, Jesus has changed my life. And we are a part of this as a faith family, right? The gospel is doing what the gospel does. It's amazing. This year, we've had 73 people join our church as new members. That's awesome. Man, people locking arms with us and we want to see the mission of the gospel move forward with the church of Jesus Christ. I think what's also encouraging, our worship attendance, we've been averaging at 1426. That is one of the highest numbers over the last 10 years. Our small groups are 916. We've hit that number twice over the last 10 years. It's amazing. Our debt ratio is now at 1.42. Before that, back about nine years ago, it was at 3.62, okay? Now, some of you are sitting here like me and like, ah, I don't know what that means. But for financial people in here, you're like, oh my goodness, that's a big number. That's a great number right there. God is being kind our finances as a church are extremely healthy and the Lord is showing us favor. But I want you to know, we gotta keep it about the gospel. That we're gonna be a church that continues to play offense and wanting to reach more and more people for Jesus. But I also now want to invite you into the tension that we as a staff are feeling right now. With the incredible growth that God is showing our church, we are facing space challenges that are very difficult to deal with. Upstairs in our kids' worship space, the room is designed to hold 80 kids. There are some Sundays where we have 110 people in that room. Again, incredible, amazing. But at the same time, that's difficult to navigate. Our student ministry meets in small groups in kids' classrooms. That's difficult for us to grow and to see us reaching more and more teenagers for Jesus. It affects kids' ministry and what they can do. It affects student ministry and what our student ministry leaders can do. There's a lot of challenges. Isn't that awesome? They're growing. We're reaching students for Jesus. It's awesome. But it's a challenge. Regular, regularly, we as a staff on Tuesdays are sitting in front of a whiteboard in which we're mapping out space on our campus, trying to figure out who can we move where to create space for the growth that we're seeing. And while that's incredible, it's difficult. It means that for many of us in this room, wouldn't we be prepared to make some changes to our schedule and to where we're meeting because we gotta figure out how we can reach more people with the gospel. Can I also tell you about our sunshine room? We have a sunshine ministry in which we are caring for kids with special needs. I love this ministry. We have trained leaders who are investing in these kids and families. 
And yet there are some Sundays in which we cannot fit any more wheelchairs into that room. Did you know that there is a large community of people right here in Shelby County who have kids with special needs and families can't go to worship because there's not a church that's equipped or trained to receive their kids. I want us to fix that as a church. We need to make sure we're providing space and trained leaders who can love these kids and families well so that moms and dads can come and worship. They can sing to Jesus. They can hear the word. They can connect with a small group and be discipled and encouraged. Many of them are running on empty and they need someone pouring into them. What an opportunity we have as a church. The space issues are significant, but it's an awesome sign of God's kindness and grace to us. So we as a church, as we look to the future, we need to create some new space for families with special needs. We need to build a multi-purpose building for students so they can have a place where they can gather for discipleship, fellowship, growth in the gospel, place for worship. A multi-purpose space so they can be used for Hispanic ministry, can be used for counseling, it can be used for addiction recovery, a building that we can be continually using throughout the week. We need to consider an awning that we place over the drive-through here on our campus. Let me tell you why. Last year on a Wednesday night, we had an absolute downpour of rain. It was mayhem. Families are running with coats over their heads, trying to cover their babies and their kids, trying to get out to their cars. There's cars pulling up. And as I'm trying to wrangle my five kids into a car, I look over in the distance and there's a single mom with two teenage sons in wheelchairs. And standing in the pouring rain, she's lifting her boys into the car, wheeling the wheelchairs around back, folding them up, putting them in the back. And I looked at that and I thought, that shouldn't be the case. We got to fix that. We have to make it so families can easily and safely get into our church to be encouraged and strengthened with the gospel. And so here we sit in this moment as a church. We're going to keep playing offense with the gospel. We're going to keep reaching more and more people for Jesus. But we're also in need of additional space. And I've got all kinds of ideas of what we need to do. And I'm sure many of you are sitting there with all kinds of ideas. But what does God want? So here's what we're going to do as a church. Westwood, we're going to enter into a season of prayer and preparation. Prayer and preparation. It's going to begin with prayer. We're going to pray. We're going to begin with prayer and say, God, what do you want? God, would you give us wisdom, grace, and discernment? Lord, we know this is probably going to cost a lot of money, but Lord, we're going to trust you to be our provider. But Lord, we want to pray and we want to seek you first in all things. And so we're just going to pray. We're ever going to have a season as a church and we're going to be praying over this situation right here of space about building a building. What does this look like for us? God, we want what you want. That's where we're gonna go as a church. We're gonna seek the Lord in prayer. But we're also gonna have a season of preparation. We're putting together a team of leaders, of both pastors and lay leaders, who are gonna be working together to seek wisdom. This team is gonna be seeking wisdom from people inside the church and seeking wisdom from people outside the church asking questions. How can we address these space issues? What are some solutions so that we can find ways where we as a church can continue to reach more and more people with the gospel? We're going to need wisdom. We need grace. We need the Lord to move in a way that shows us where he's going and how he's leading. Lord willing, 
January, February of next year, this leadership team is going to come to our church and say, here's the plan. We have been praying as a church. We've been praying as a team. This prayer-soaked plan is presented to you. And here's how we're going to address the space needs for us as a church. And this is going to be a way for us as a church to keep moving forward with the gospel. We want to keep reaching people for Jesus while also expanding space so we can reach more people for Jesus. Y'all, God is doing something in our midst. Don't forget. Remember. Remember. Don't forget what your eyes have seen, Deuteronomy 9.4. Don't let what's happening slip from your mind. Remember the great things that God has done. He has sent forth his son who has given his life at the cross, who has defeated death on the third day, who offers forgiveness and eternal life to anybody who repents and trusts in him by faith. We have a gospel to remember and to celebrate. We have a savior to worship. We have a mission that needs to be fulfilled to get the gospel to the nations and our neighbors. Let us never forget the great things that God has done in our lives and that he has done in our church.